0: I had to take my car into the mechanic um, last week, and uh, I kind of like taking my car into the mechanic. I want you to know, now, not not like regular checkup mechanics type of thing. I'm actually talking like factory recalls. I love. I want you to know I love factory recalls. So so what do you say? They're free, They're free but there's actually for some people like me, there's there's a lot of extra perks. Let me explain. I drive a 2006 BMW. For those of you who can do the math, Chuck, you're the mathematician, that's 16 years old. Is that fair? It's close? So it's a 16-year-old BMW, 140,000 miles, maybe on the market, maybe it's worth $2,000. Before inflation, maybe it's worth four now. So I get this factory recall, and I, I, I love this car. I want to save this car, I want to pass along to my son, I know everything's going to be electric by then. But anyway, I want to, I love this car. And so I get this factory recall. And so I call and I, and I make the appointment and here comes my favorite question. Are you going to need a loaner? Ah, yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I go in and, and I want you to know, I've arranged, I've pre-arranged this moment. But. I'm not getting my hopes up because those of you who have gotten loaners, it can really, it can be anything. Yeah, It really can be anything, but BMW on their end, they, they typically try to use this as an opportunity to market to you. Right. So I get there and, and I go and I get my, my loaner and it is a 2019, um, fully loaded BMW. <laughs> And so it is so fully loaded. Now, I want you to know, it feels oddly familiar to what I drive, which is what I really like, but it is so, it's fully loaded. And what I mean by fully loaded, when I go out to the parking lot to try to find it, I couldn't even find it. I mean, that's it. I'm like, you know, I'm like hitting buttons and about 20 feet away, a car starts. I'm like... Shouldn't there be like a beep or something? Shouldn't there be something that you know tells me it's my car? I'm looking around, and then finally, because it's really, really strange, you know, to go look in a car where someone's sitting. You know, is this you in my car? You know, but finally, nope, no one's coming out. I didn't see anyone around, so I go over to the car that started. So I hit some buttons again. The car turns off. I'm still not convinced. Hit some more buttons, it turns on. Okay, now I'm convinced. And, and, and the things that they're doing in cars nowadays, and I want you to know, I want I want to be very, very clear about something. I'm almost 50 years old. I have stepped off the technology train. I do not, I, I, I don't like social media. I have trouble answering my, my cell phone. I, I, I just don't like technology anymore. I just... I just don't. You know, life's just becoming very, very simple for me. <clears throat> I just don't want change anymore. And those of you who have known me, I used to love change. I used to be the first one in the pool of change. And now I'm just like, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready for the change. To give you an idea, some of the shows that, that my son and I watch, and of you will appreciate this. Uh, every evening as we're getting ready for bed, Kai and I will we'll take time and watch an episode of Hogan's Heroes. So, so we're not only going forward in life, we're like going back. We're like, you know, nostalgia and simplicity is becoming my life. So I'm just not trusting this car. And I'm just, I'm, I'm having regrets. You know, I, I walk away. I'm not even kidding you. I step back from the car and the car locks itself. I take a step towards the car. It unlocks itself. I, I, I am like freaking out. In this, at this moment, I get in and I am freaking out because again, some of the buttons are the same, but have you ever been in a car, like some of these new cars. I know some of you guys have, have some newer cars where like, you don't know if they're running. And so if you just hit the gas, they just like go forward, you know, now I'm next to all these other BMW rental cars. I'm just I'm petrified that I'm going to crash this thing after I gave them my, my own insurance. Right. So I'm looking, I'm trying to find all the buttons. I'm trying to arrange everything. And there's just this whole digital dash. Yeah. Right. And I finally, of course, I get this thing going and of course I I love it. And I was texting someone telling you know, sending them pictures and I'm you know, and I'm like, you have to forgive me, I I gotta go get myself a speeding ticket. (laughs) You know, there's just there's things I have to do right now. (laughs) And as I'm driving this thing, I did not Go and get a speeding ticket, just so you know that. (laughs) But it was on my mind. And and as I'm driving, this whole dashboard is coming up. And there's maps on it. And as I'm driving, there's, like, lights on both sides of the car, which are telling me that that I'm too far to the left, I'm too far to the right. Even when I started going towards railroad tracks, 20, 50 feet before, lights come up saying, Uneven surface ahead. And I'm thinking here in this moment, this car is like a dream come true. (laughs) You know, and this is actually the problem, but I felt more safe than I ever did. Mm -hmm. I know I'm safe on the left. I know I'm safe on the right. I know there's some turbulence, some rough road coming straight ahead. I can't get lost because there I am right on the map. I don't even have to go to a cell phone anymore to find out where I am. I know exactly where I am all the time, safe on the right, safe on the left. I can see I can see who's, what's behind me. I got blind spots covered, and I know what's coming up ahead. I thought this is what I've been searching for my entire life, just not in a car. It's what I've been searching for spiritually my whole life. And I thought, did you see that? This is exactly what Jesus offers us. In Christ, I'm never lost. In Christ, no matter what I experience to the right or to the left, he will guide me through, through the slimmest and most difficult times. Rough road ahead, you betcha. If you're, if you're in a rough season of your life right now, if you're going through, through a bumpy road, I want you to know, if you understand the scriptures, you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. Because the scriptures, the dashboard tells you, right, that there's going to be a rough road ahead. But the scriptures also direct us and show us to the beautiful destination of the still waters. So I was just kind of in this car and it just made me, just reminded me. That if we understand, if we're not blind, if we're perceptive to who God is and who the scriptures are and what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives, we can enjoy the trip that we're on. Yeah? yeah. Father God, as I pray this morning and Holy Spirit ask you to lead us. Holy Spirit, I'm gonna ask you to do only what you can do and that's the, and that's show us yourself. Help us to perceive and understand that you love us with such intensity, that you are guiding us, that you, you promised us, that you said in the scriptures, you promised us that you would not leave us alone, that you would never leave us or forsake us. That there is nothing that a, that a 2022, 23 BMW has to offer compared to who you are. I'm not interested in getting from from the grocery store to my home without being in an accident. I'm interested in getting through this life, being connected and guided with a clear and direct path into the glorious next. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just help us to see more to help us understand more. Because you are truly the glorious one. And I want to confess to you that, that I am shallow minded that I am easily distracted, I quickly forget, that I am consumed by my own soul, I am consumed by my own needs, and, and I am blinded on a daily basis, burdened by my, hum, my, my, my own human lackings, I tire, and I hunger, and I doubt. But as we're here this morning, Father, will you just show us that, that in you we have yeah, we have the most futuristic vehicle and travel buddy that this world does not even comprehend or understand. Holy Spirit, you're this, you're this person. You're guiding us, you're in us. May we trust you. Holy Spirit, lead us in the things we discuss now so that we may know and trust. That where you're leading us is more beautiful than than where we are today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to take you guys into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, if you will. So Justin's been doing a fantastic job at arranging and directing our Sunday morning conversations together. And it is an honor for me. Um, I'm just gonna say just to just to be part and join in where, where he directs and oftentimes throughout the course of, of thinking, praying and planning, what I sense the Lord's giving me to share with you guys, it, it typically it typically changes three or four times over. Only two weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, I felt like Laura was leading me to share something with you. And then all of a sudden it gets replaced with something totally different. And quite simply, all I want to do is I just want to read Acts chapter two this morning. And I want to highlight that something new is happening in the world. Something new and drastic and powerful and amazing is happening in the world at this time. But I want to be very, very clear. This is an invitation for just at this time in Acts chapter 2. I want to be very, very clear because there's a lot of rumors and a lot of desires and a lot of heightened awareness about what the Holy Spirit is doing today in our own world. Those of you who have been following the news in any capacity or, or, or Christian news, you'll, you'll even I know we've spoken about this, this revival that's, been, that's taken place down in um, Asbury, Kentucky, if my geography is correct. Right. And, and it's been a huge conversation. I've had my, some of my own personal friends, as maybe you have as well, people flocking to Asbury to see what God, what, where God is and what God is doing. So much so, so many people flooded to this small town that the president of the college actually came out and made a public statement that they actually had to stop the gathering. And they decided to put an end to the gathering simply because the town's infrastructure could not hold all the people coming to see, evaluate, test, find, discover, desire what God was doing there. Now, I don't want to bring it into, I don't want to introduce any doubt or concern that God is present, that God was present, that God was working, that God is working. But I do want to bring a hesitation and question to the limitation that may possess us to run towards what's happening there. Because, see, what's happening there is the same thing that God wants to do here. The same Holy Spirit that's working there is the same Holy Spirit that's working here. If we perceive him. If we call upon him, if we desire him, and if we simply wait upon him. See, some people have been running to this revival because their soul is so vastly empty that they are seeking to find out where God is, to see if God is real. And to those individuals, I say, go. I say, absolutely go. So, I've been in that season of my life, not believing that perhaps God was here, and I wanted to go see where God was. And, and so I went and I searched and, and I hunted and I looked. And it took me years to discover what I'm telling you now that God was right where I was before I left. He was with me the whole time. He was with me the whole time. As a matter of fact, He is so loving and so kind and so gentle, He lets you go. <laughs> Go look. Go proceed. Go find. But the truth was, I wasn't going to look to find where God was. I was going to look to discover where God has already been. Working the whole time. And so I don't want to challenge those who have. Sought. After all, the scriptures say, if you seek me, you will find me. Whether it's here, present in your own life, in, in your daily work, wherever it is that, wherever it is that, that, that you're experiencing in life right now. Or, or, or whether it's that you're just chasing. Throughout the world. This past week, I've had more than a handful of friends take off throughout the world. At least seven or eight countries. All in one week. It's actually been, been rather astounding. And the truth is, the Holy Spirit, His work in our lives, is, is, is ever present here and now, and He's wanting to do an, an amazing thing. And so, what I'm about to read here in the book of Acts, I want you to know is a new thing. But it's just not a new thing taking place then. It's actually a new thing that God's offering us here and now. Why is it a new, a new thing? Well, really quite simple the Holy Spirit is going to come into the hearts, lives, souls of the people who invite him and receive him in. Now I want you to know that's a new thing. This has never happened before in history. Jesus actually says that unless I leave, I cannot send you a helper. Now I want you to know I am not overly enthusiastic about this new thing, and I don't think you are either. Let me prove my point. If you're going to invite someone over to your house, what's the very, very first thing you do before you invite someone when you invite someone over to your house? Clean. Clean the house. The last thing you want to do is invite someone over into your messy house. Don't worry, it'll be a mess when <laughs> See, you see where I'm going with this. See, I'm not comfortable with what's happening in Acts chapter 2. As I'm going to point out in the scriptures, others also are not. Because I think many of us have this idea that if we're going to invite Jesus into our lives, first we have to clean the house. I cannot let him see, right? And, And at best, and I want you to know, some of us religious people have gotten really, really good at this. Right. Please come in. Just don't go in that room. (laughs) Right. We're going to stuff everything into that room. We'll allow Jesus, you know, into the dining area, the kitchen. Right. Into certain rooms, but just don't go there. But see, this is very interesting because in order for the helper to come into our lives, I want you to know he wants access to the whole thing. And surprise, surprise. He doesn't care if you clean up. As a matter of fact, let me tell you what he knows that you don't. You can't. Oh. You can't clean up. You're incapable. How do I know this? Because your house gets messy again. We have this incapacity. And, and, and for those of us, and I want you to know we're guilty of it. For those of us who try to clean up before we invite others over, Do you understand that all we're trying to do is is just put forward the best version of ourselves? Which I want you to know is is both a brilliant and awful thing, right? I wanna put my best foot forward for you. I really, really do. I wanna clean the house for you. I I wanna make this home a welcoming and and inviting place. But what inadvertently happens is when you come over to our house, you think we're clean people. You think we're clean people? Unless I actually somehow tell you, I want you to know we clean the house just for you. You end up, you can walk out of my house being like, "Oh my word, they are they are so much better. They are so much better than I am." See, cleaning your house before you, people come over to visit is really nothing more than than modernized social media. Before there was Facebook, there was. Inviting people over for company. Come over our house. Wow, everything's so clean. Wow, did you see the, the their pictures of, of journeying through India? Did you see their pictures of, of you know their children's diplomas? Right? And and we go into the house and and, and and it's kind of like our best foot forward. It's 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 Facebook 40 years ago. I'm just pointing out what's true. I'm not pointing out. What needs to change, right? We also clean our homes, not, not only to put our best, best part of ourselves forward. It's also, it's also what we desire. We, well, we don't want to sweep it under the rug, do we? That's what a lot of people do. Sweep it under the rug. Exactly. But the truth is we don't want to. See, see, we all want to go home to a clean home. We all want to go home to an uncluttered home. We, this is why this is why there's a billion-dollar hotel and, and rental industry. Because you can go to a home that is clean and organized for you to escape your own life <laughs> for a period of time. So this, I simply share this because the fact that we're messy, the fact that we have to clean up, this is all evidence of the human condition. And see, the Holy Spirit wants to come in. He wants to be invited. In. I want you to know, Holy Spirit is not going to infringe on your life in any way. A matter of fact, it says in Revelation that that Jesus will stand and knock. Okay, he's not. He is not coming in without an invitation. So if you're afraid that Jesus is going to impose on your life, stop being afraid right now. He's not going to. I'm always. I'm, I always. Every time I hear this, it happened again, happened again last night, and it reminds me of a conversation I hear over and over and over again, how people are afraid of becoming missionaries because they don't want God to send them to a country that they don't want to go to. And it makes me laugh because the last thing God wants to do is send you to a country where you don't want to be. Why does God want to send you somewhere to be unhappy? Why does he want to send you somewhere where your joy doesn't overflow? Wait. This is, this is, a, yeah, oh yeah. What, who can I get to tell the world about me? Oh yeah, this this individual is extremely happy. Help, send him out. No, God will not impose on your life. So don't be afraid that He will. But I will do want you to know He will stand and knock. And for those of you similar to me in my life, boy, He will knock until it becomes annoying. He will knock. And knock and knock and 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 I'm way too authentic with you guys. Forgive me. But when people knock on our door, you know, if it's a salesman or someone coming to complain, even if it's Halloween night, we turn off the lights and hide behind the sofa. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's home. <clears throat> Jesus will stand and knock. And some of you know this because he just won't go away. Though you want him to though you desire him to, he will stand there and he will patiently wait. But I do want to give you a warning. I do want to give you a warning. Over time, I'm going to tell you this. The scriptures say Jesus stands and knocks. But I want you to know the longer that we reject and hide, the more readily his, knocks, his knocking at the door fades to our ears. And our hiding becomes our detriment. And moment by moment, because I want you to know he wants to come in. He's not asking us to clean the house. And I want you to know when he comes in, Jesus is not like a guest. Not like, Oh my word, look at that or look what you have. No, see the Holy Spirit wants to come in because he loves you and he wants to start cleaning up. He wants us, he wants to put our house into order into the way that we can only imagine. And he's the only one who can. And this is Acts chapter two. This is what is happening in this moment. Follow along with me. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. I want you to know that they're in this one place that they're sitting and they're waiting. They're sitting and waiting. I don't care if this is in I don't care if this is in Kentucky. I don't care if this is in Uzbekistan. I don't care if this is in Siberia or in Lancaster City. I know this, where people sit and wait for the Lord, the Lord will come and he will show up. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to know, I want to be very, very clear that I believe this, uh, this, these tongues that they're speaking in. I want you to know, as evidence in this scripture are actual languages. I just want to be very, very clear about this. They're not, they're not uttering something that cannot be understood by someone else. And, and, and I'll demonstrate this in a second. Verse five. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Here, each of us in his own native language. See, what they're saying is actually making sense to someone. It's making sense to – it's basically if I, if I don't speak English and you don't speak English, all of a sudden you start speaking me, but I can understand you is actually what's happening, right? So I don't actually know if they're actually speaking in other languages or if they're speaking and the Holy Spirit's translating what other people are hearing because it's just very, very difficult, difficult to tell. But what I do know of what's happening is that people under the presence and power of the Holy Spirit – Are being understood. Have you ever had that internal conversation in your life that you just wanted to be understood? You just wanted someone to understand you a wife, a husband, a boss, right? A friend. If you could just understand what I'm trying to tell you, if you could just understand. Something is happening in this moment that is so profound. And I want you to know, I think it's more profound than than the elements, than the wind and, and fire. I think it's the fact that for the first time since Genesis 11, people are understanding each other in a most remarkable, pure, eternal way. If you recall, before Genesis 11 there were people gathering together to build the most amazing creations there was such an agreement there's such an understanding that whatever was happening that humanity was creating a world at such an advanced rate that people started taking it upon themselves in, in pride and in greed What they were creating became more powerful and more precious than God himself. So God had to say, this can't be. I need to slow down. I need to to interrupt their understanding of one another. I need to confuse what they're doing because they're replacing the glory of God with the glory of themselves. And remember, he confuses them with languages. Again, something that had never been seen before. They were running in terror. I believe they were running in terror. I believe they were so confused that their lives and their understandings, they were so in despair, they just scattered throughout the earth. Because of what had happened when they started gathering with and amongst themselves by those that they could understand. Oh, you understand, you get me. Have you ever, if you've ever traveled, I want you to know that this is, this is very easily understood when you live when you live or visit overseas, right? Um, when you're living in overseas and, and everyone around you speaks a language that you don't understand, when you find someone that speaks English, you just you, you that's you just love that person. You don't care about their political beliefs. You don't care about their background. You just like the idea that they know what pizza and hamburgers are, right? <laughs> And so these people are scattering. Whatever happened in Genesis 11, but I, I want you to connect this, this to this moment now, because the Spirit is coming, and in the redemption, under the re, through the power and redemption of Christ, Yahweh is going to rebuild everything that's been destroyed, And the same form and fashion that they were scattered and separated by languages. Under the power of the Spirit, comes this massive understanding. One, two, Another. What verse did I leave off? That. Eight. Thank you. Verse eight. And they say to themselves, and how is it that we hear such of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans. Cretans? We even understand Cretans. What in the world is going on? Everyone's included. Arabians, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. If you could say anything, I think of, of of John the Baptist's father in the opening chapters of Luke. If you could say anything, what would you say? Wait let me let me let me let me let me reintroduce that question. If you couldn't speak for a long time, Or there's no one who could hear you or no one who could understand you and, and, and years and years built up. When you were finally given a voice, what would you say? What do you think would come out of you after a long time being pent up of not being able to speak? I'll tell you what I think comes out. I think what comes out is our deepest and most valuable, craving, long desire that we have as a human being. And I think that's what's happening in this moment. It's almost as if since Genesis 3, when this understanding had been shut up, almost as if in the belly of the earth, been, been shut up in silence after centuries and centuries of time, The Holy Spirit comes and what do they have to speak? What comes flowing out in their utterances and in the translations and languages of God is the glory of God himself. See, I believe that we are created to speak of the glory of God. How do I know this? Because we all attempt it daily. I'd like to show you my new car. I'd like to tell you about my job. I like to tell you about what I do. I like to show you my best parts. As a matter of fact, when you're a child, whatever you create at school, you bring home to your parents. I like to show you what I created. We take it, we hang it on the refrigerator, we celebrate it. Deep within each and every one of us, there is a voice that wants to deeply be connected to God in a very pure, original, and eternal way. And from the day that we're born, we search for it and we seek it. And as soon as the Holy Spirit comes, it's the very, very single voice that gets released. Giving glory to God. You want to know the secret of God's love for us? You and I, we were created in his image. We are his glory to the world. We are the glory of God, created in his glory, for his glory. Deep within us is a simple language to speak of God's glory. It's sin. It's our pride. It's our misperception. It's our misconfusion. It's our misunderstanding that we speak about much less things when we let out the glory of God through our own voice in this world I want you to know that that is the moment that we begin to find the deepest understanding and purpose in our lives you've heard me say this to you before but simply declaring in the name of Jesus has power I, there's times in my life that when I don't know, when I'm at, at the end of my rope, when I'm at that last, in those end days, in those final moments, I find myself just saying what I do know. Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your love. Jesus, I need your perspective. There's some there is power simply in the name of Jesus. I can't tell you. That in calling upon the name of Jesus, I know what to do next. I cannot tell you that when I say the name of Jesus that all my struggles go away. But I will tell you in saying the name of Jesus out loud, something happens in the very presence of my soul that I cannot explain to you. We should not be surprised in this moment that these people are declaring the glory of God. As soon as they begin to speak. I want to point out something to you, because in this moment, a very new thing is happening, a very new understanding. But I want to point out to you something that that I think we like to avoid. I like to suggest that there's a new source being introduced, new source of, of, of God's presence in the world. The Holy Spirit is coming. And and I love this. Actually, I love the way that it opens up because if if we go back to John 3, how is the Spirit spoken of being ushered into the world through baptism? Water, submersion, the the water burial, the water grave and coming up, rising to new life. But now we have wind And, and we have fire introduced. Wind and water and fire. These are all things, friends. As much as you'd like to believe that, that, that somehow you are connected to them, you can't conjure any one of them. You can't conjure wind. You can't conjure fire. And you cannot create or conjure water. In the same way that these very earth elements, which are only designed by and created by God, the Holy Spirit comes by his own presence into our lives with the same power of each we use wind and water and fire on daily basis on a daily basis in all simple ways but each and every one of them has the capacity to ruin our lives right there's unbridled power in each one and i think sometimes because we don't understand the power involved, we begin to limit it. And here's the warning. I love this. Did you notice? Did you notice those who are first spoken about as as, as doubting this? It says, verse 5: There were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men, Jews. Jews and devout men from every nation. <laughs> the very, very first people who are going to disbelieve that this new thing is happening that this new presence of God being introduced into the world, I want you to know, are the religious people. Yeah, God's chosen people. The people who are supposed to know who God is, the people who have been waiting, declaring, judging, the religious people of the time are missing what God is doing. So much so, the passage ends by these people saying, right, we're filled with awe, but those who are doubting, what do they say? They're obviously drunk there is something new happening here right but it's the new wine and that moves us into verse 14 where the Holy Spirit is working and moving I want you to know is not among the religious it's among the people who desire a relationship with him. And simply open the door and allow him in and invite him to do what he wants in, in, in our lives. Because Peter is gonna say the most ridiculous, most unspiritual thing. Just wanna point this out. Verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them: men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's too early for that. This is literally what he says. They're not drunk because it's only the third hour of the day. (coughs) Meaning they're going to drink later. They're not drunk yet. This is how I know because they drink later in the day. So this is how I know they're not drunk. Seems like such a funny thing for Peter to say. No, they're not drunk. They get drunk later. And he, starts to, and he starts to speak from the book of Joel, verse 17. In the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sign will be turned to darkness, the moon, to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the book of Acts opens with, with a new source of this power, a new source of life, this, a new invitation into living loving life with God. And the question is are we open to it? Are we ready to receive it? Are we ready to respond to it? Or are we like the religious and we still look around to criticize? We still hold our pride. We 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 misperceive and judge. But see, in verse 21, Peter steps into this. In verse 15 and 4 through 21, Peter steps into this reality of, of something that cannot be denied. And that's the authority of God. That's the courage of God. I don't know about you, but I need courage in my life. I need courage in my life, I need encouragement. That some of the obstacles that I face just seem to just drip and drip and drip, and and tarry, that I grow so tired and so weary that I will get angry and I will get bitter and I will feel hopelessness. I'm just telling you the truth. I want you to know exactly that I'm just like you. It becomes so difficult at times. And we're talking about Peter. Peter is the one who stands up to speak. Friends, isn't Peter the one is isn't the Peter who the one who ran away? Isn't Peter the one who didn't want to be public? Isn't he the one who who was so wishy-washy in his stance with Christ when he was with Christ, right? Full of confidence when he was apart from Christ, willing to hide and run. Which, by the way, is exactly my life. How about you? When Christ is near, I have courage. When I'm walking with him, I have confidence. But when I'm not walking with him, boy, I get overwhelmed real quick. Peter is now demonstrating a confidence and and an authority that we have not seen. I want to keep reading. Verse 22. There's nothing more powerful than what Peter says himself. Men of Israel, verse 22, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. In your midst. Uh, trying to recall the water again. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It's not possible for Jesus to be held by the pangs of death. (coughs) Verse 25, for David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. I love life. You make me full of gladness with your presence. You make me full of gladness. With my new car. You make me full of gladness. Because of this or because of that's not what he says. And, 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 and this is this is King David. If anyone wants to speak about the new car, it's King David. He's driving the most beautiful one. Hmm. If anyone who wants to to thank God, be full of gladness, it should be for his castle or for his army or for having a good life, having enough. Right. But he doesn't. In our eyes, the, 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 if one man had everything, comes and says that his gladness was made full in the presence of God. See, and what Peter's doing is he's speaking to the heart and soul of everyone who's listening. Because I, too, want to be full of gladness. And I search in lots of different places. The only time that I actually know when I'm in the fullness of God is when I'm reminded when I'm not. It's the drass comparison of the two that reminds me how full God's joy really is. Because I will find myself outside of that gladness many times throughout the day. Verse 29. Brothers, but I say to you with confidence, confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. He goes on. And he speaks in in, in in this in this in this unparalleled confidence about, about a reality that only the scriptures and only in Christ can we understand, my friends. Only through opening the door and welcoming in Jesus can we even begin to fathom what Peter is trying to declare to us, what pro- Peter is trying to explain to us, what Peter wants us to hold within our souls with our own language. And I love this, verse 39. I'm going to jump over to verse 39. He says this, and this is meaningful to me. He says, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. In this moment, Peter is so filled with a new vision, a new understanding, a new confidence that he speaks about you and me. He speaks about you and me. That this, that Christ has done this, that the Lord has done this, that the Holy Spirit has sent, been sent to us as fulfill, fulfillment of this promise for us and for our children and, and for those far off. See, a day is coming. A day is coming. Now, uh, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is mind-blowing. A day is coming when time is going to no longer be linear. That time is going to be eternal. Now, I want you to know, I still think, I still believe eternal time is still experienced in a linear fashion. It just continues. So so what I mean by when it's eternal, I don't mean it's kind of circular. I I don't believe time is just, uh, you know, kind of like Groundhog Day. I just kind of keep doing the same thing over over and over and over again. It just never stops. I, I, I think it's lived on. In the same understanding experiences that we have, just not with an ending to their visceral qualities, their emotional qualities. See, right now, everything that you experience in this world comes to, comes to pass. Right? When I was younger, I really, really struggled with this. I, I just wanted to be happy. I really just wanted to be happy. And I wanted to be happy so much that when, when I was happy, I got sad that that happiness was going to be over. I got so used to the world wounding me and so used to to, to good and bad flowing in and out of my life as in just some daily occurrence, this linear fashion of life, right? Disappointment, joy, laughter, insult, right? Wounding, excitement. All these, all these emotional qualities for me, I want you to know, have just been too much for my life. And so if I, if I was in a moment of connection, if I was in a moment of excitement, I would just have to limit myself because I know that in a very, very short time, someone's going to hurt me or I'm going to be upset. Right? I'm going to be wounded. I'm going to lose everything that I love. Not to be on the depressive side, but this is actually true. Everything that we grip onto in this world, we have to release. We have to release those that we love. We have to release those dreams that never come to fruition. We have to release our healthy bodies, our healthy minds, our, our, our fantastic eyesight, our speed, our strength, our wit. We have to release it all. And those of you who have you as you age know this, right? And it becomes a real frustration, doesn't it? There's a reason why why there's a reason why we're tempted to be more and more bitter as we get older. But there's a day coming when life is going to be bound by things that don't fade away by relationships and joys and excitements and adventures and creativity and imagination that never come to a close. They just build and they just, and they just add to one another and we celebrate each other. Have you ever sat and heard someone speak like, like when Dave was speaking this morning, we're honored to be in in the room with you for all of eternity. You're going to be filled with the glory and honor with everyone that you talk to and meet. And, and, and I have a very strong suspicion that one of those people will actually be David himself. If you're in Christ, you're going to meet David one day with just as welcoming of a spirit, just as a celebrity stereotype as, as anyone that you could dream of. Because in all of eternity, you're famous. You're just as famous as King David. So, in day King David, I want you to know, and, I, and you heard it here, when you get into eternity and King David comes to you and he shakes your hand and he's so excited to meet you, I've heard so much about you. Please tell me about this. You heard it here because that's how we would think of meeting King David. Oh my word, you're King David of the Bible. Can I ask you that? You clearly don't have any time to talk to me. Who am I to you? In all of eternity, each and every one of us will will be honored by each and every, each other's presence. The glory of God everywhere. Yeah. Never ending, never ceasing. And all the depths and riches of that overflowing to an ever full and ever growing capacity. Yeah, why? Because God's uncontainable. The glory of God is not containable. So no matter how long eternity is, we will never reach the ends of the glory of God. Because yeah. okay. if we reach the ends of the glory of God, then God's just not full. of Yeah, he's a lesser God. He's just not full of glory. And this is what Peter is pointing out to us. It's a promise for us, for you, for me, our children, and those who are far off, anyone whom the Lord calls to himself. So I want to to bring us to a close here, read this final passage. Because something new happens. Something new that has been continuing to this day, and it is the greatest I believe this is one, where one of the greatest battles still takes place today, verse 42. Let me back up to actually um, verse 41. Those who received his word, those who received this truth, who in open up their spirit and their soul to receive this truth, this reality, they were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. There was nothing more attractive in this moment that the echoing of the promises of God, just people were just responding to this reality that they had longed for all their lives. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Funny enough, that sounds awful like church. Coming together. Enjoying. Enjoying some food and enjoying, you know, enjoying praying together, enjoying and seeking the teaching of the, of the word of God. And it says in verse 43, and came came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed. They were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all any who had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day who were being saved. See, the new thing that's actually happening here is so profound. People are understanding one another. They're laying their lives down to connect with one another, to accept one another, to belong to one another. As you continue to read the book of Acts as 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 we're gonna look in the upcoming weeks, sin is always sin. Right? There's always gonna be disruptions, there's always gonna be underminings to what God wants to do. There's gonna be greed, there's gonna be selfishness, there's gonna be pride that, that undermines. But I want to be very, very clear. Don't hate the church because of people falling short in sin. This church is made up of sinful people of redeemed people, right? We're all here. I want you to know there's nothing that's taking you captive that that I also do haven't been tempted and can become captivated by quite simply. But what is happening here in this moment These people are are being so tied to the glory of God in each other, to the presence of God in this moment. They are receiving truth and deciding to live in truth.